Welcome to God's Planning, Contemplative Preachers, Contemporary Age. Each week, join the Dominican Friars as they consider all things Catholic. Welcome to God's Planning. My name is Father Jacob Bertrand Jancic. I am the Director of Vocations for the Dominican Province of St. Joseph here in Washington, D.C., and I am joined by Father Bonaventure Chapman. Say hi, Father Bonaventure. Hello. We are here in our kind of semi-quarantine existence at the mm-hmm. House of Studies, um, riding out, surviving the coronavirus, COVID-19. I think like a lot of you out there who are listening, life has been kind of turned on its head in the last, not even week, I mean, maybe a week, mm-hmm. really, the, the like kind since, of craziness that's started. Since last week weekend, basically, it seemed like everything started to, to change and rapidly. And maybe we're settling in now to some kind of bizarre exile or different existence. Who knows? But in any case, we're praying, we're carrying on, we're offering Mass, and, and that's what we're doing. Um, so this week in our Back to Basics Lenten episode, as we're still, even though we're kind of relegated to our homes, um, working through Lent together as a church, we uh, we thought we would discuss the Mass and the sacrifice of the Mass. And as Father Bonaventure and I were, were talking about the episode and getting ready, we realized that it's a little strange in some ways to talk about the Mass when very few people, it seems like only priests and religious who live in a religious house, are able to attend Mass without having to leave their house with the suspension of public Masses. Um, so even though it, it, we may not, you may not be attending Mass on Sunday, we still thought that, well, we should still talk about the Mass. It's an important part of our faith, and I think that this time in our lives when so many of us are kind of cut off from that regular access that, well, all the more to kind of learn and, and dive into the mystery that is that is on offer otherwise for us. I think when something is absent or someone is absent, oftentimes there are elements or aspects of that person's absence that you didn't remember or you're not, you took for granted, but when they're missing from, from the, you or the something is missing from you, it's like during Lent, we, we give up certain things. You realize, when I gave up this, it actually has a profound effect on me, and I miss this aspect of it, which I wouldn't have thought of normally. So maybe in, in some kind of silver lining aspect, when we're separated from Mass, we have a chance to think more deeply and reflect on all the parts of the Mass and the importance of Mass for us. Uh, so that we can enter into it more deeply when we return to Mass, hopefully, God willing, in a week or two or whatever it hopefully might be. Hopefully sooner than later. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's, we were, we were chatting about this, about sort of in, in religious life, when we go to visit our families, it's often when, though we love our families dearly and they're a ton of fun, mm-hmm. it's, it's in those moments where we're like, yeah, I'm made to be a religious, you know, like I'm made for the religious life. So there is this kind of aspect of when something is removed or taken away that, that, that you begin to appreciate it or have the opportunity at least to appreciate it anew. So that's what we're hoping to do this on this episode. So to talk about the Mass and, and kind of examine some of its parts and how we participate and how we participate well uh, and, and kind of how we go from there. So why don't we, why don't we start off with, with that in mind? Why don't we start off by thinking about um, on, on just what the Mass is, sort of um, participating, celebrating, kind of in general, how it fits into into our lives as as Christians. Yeah, and to me, this is. I mean, would be interesting to hear um, from you, Father Jacob Bertrand, as well on on this because we come from a different background. I grew up as a Protestant, and so the Mass wasn't a part of my my life uh, until well, much later, until I was like twenty five or something like this. Although I did go to Catholic school um, for high school, so I saw the Mass, but it wasn't really a part of it. So 
the mass for me was this different thing. I remember explicitly when I was a Protestant seminarian, uh, thinking about the priest in mass versus the Protestant minister and the church service. And I remember thinking to myself, uh, I would never want to be a Catholic priest because you just do the same thing over and over again. It's just this kind of ritual. I mean, anyone could do that. Whereas the Protestant minister, when I was preaching in churches, you'd be in the central pulpit. You're directing everything. It's kind of on you. You shape everything. So I remember thinking that the Mass has this kind of ritualistic perspective to it. And there was this definitive moment in my seminary experience where I thought, wow, what arrogance. The idea that, like, I would prefer that for the worship of God, it was all centered on me, and it was something that only I could do, or something that was special to me, as opposed to these Catholic priests who do the same thing, no matter whether you're in Wisconsin or if you're in England or something. And I had this profound shift that said, well, of course, the Mass has to be that way to worship because that puts the focus on God as opposed to the individual people and characters and such. And that was like a profound shift of, of, of my own sense of what it meant to worship God together in community. Yeah, I grew up Catholic and I, and many, I, I, I don't want to say that, well, I was going to say that there are, there are sometimes at least with, with converts kind of benefits or insights that you have into, into the faith and into sort of like that the parts of Catholicism that a cradle Catholic doesn't have because that sort of familiarity breeds contempt. I just grew up going mm-hmm. to Mass every, well, almost every Sunday. Um, and I, I remember as a little kid, most of the time, I don't know, I thought that I didn't like going to Mass, but I don't I don't think I put up a huge fight about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and But I was never, it was never, it never had a huge impact on me growing up, at least how I noticed. I'm sure it did, you know, the graces that were offered. I'm sure it did. But uh, certainly as I got into college, I think mm. I had a similar kind of reaction to the mass, particularly the priest's action in the mass um, and, and recognizing that, 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 you know, it is Christ at work and it's, it's the priest at the altar who stands in the person of Christ. So I think in some ways there's a similar kind of revolution of understanding what's mm. going on, just a sort of maturing in the faith and mm-hmm. as, as like also maturing as a human being. Um, when your parents aren't like forcing you to go and like you're getting in trouble and not getting donuts after mass, like this is the whole sort of like Catholic upbringing yeah. in the world, the coffee and donuts after mass. If you're good, that's what that's that's the reward. Oh, see, I never grew up with any of that stuff. That's fantastic, <laughs> though. I love that Co- coffee and, and donuts after. Well, not coffee for the kids, I suspect. No, but some sort of delicious juice donuts. And donuts, yeah. juice and donuts after, uh, or milk and donuts. Hopefully, juice and donuts is kind of a strange combination. Whatever. Anyway, donuts after mass. If you're good, I like that. That's fantastic. Yeah. But eventually, you got to give up that. Well, not the donuts, but like you'd have to be good at mass for other reasons, like for say worship of God or something. Like for Jesus. Yeah, that'd be good. That's probably yeah. a good transition to It's a good reason to, to do the, things. Yeah, it's a good reason to do things. What yeah. the mass is about. We we've been as we've kind of been talking these last these last few minutes, we've said the word mass mm-hmm. like a thousand times or something yeah. like that. And we talk about the mass all the time. And one of the things we were you know, to to that I've wondered about is kind of where that word comes from. What is the mass? mean yeah like the other sacraments baptism for example it's called baptism because that's also what happens like one is baptized yes. one baptizes um these sorts of things but like you don't like i wasn't masked today or, well, it makes you, know. you more massive spiritually so it has this kind of massive edification you could say i wouldn't say that okay but uh i would i don't know say something else more intelligent about where, where the word comes well from. so the the word so it's so a mass 
comes from actually the last part of it, Ite Misa Est, if you, in, in Latin, is the final go in peace, or what well, we have a bunch of different go forth, the Mass has ended, is, is how we, is one of the versions you say, the priest at the end of Mass, but in Latin it's Ite Misa Est, and the Missa there is, is part of Missio, so to, to send, right? right. We get yeah. mission from this, or dismissal, these kind, of, these kind of rude words. So the name is attached, the, it's called the Mass because of that Missa Est there, although it's a weird... Yeah, it's a weird it's a weird phrase. So even though when we think about the mass, you probably think of the Eucharist, uh, the word itself comes from that sending forth, that dismissal aspect. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I don't know. I mean, I guess I knew that at some point, but I don't. It's not, so, I've, not something I've like thought about a lot. It's yeah. kind of a strange. It's a strange kind of name. It's sort of like the inverse of a like a papal encyclical that they always take their Latin names from, from the, the first, couple, first words, couple words, but like for the mass, it's and the usually last words. yeah, and ideally the the. You know, that's a good question. Are the, are the first couple words of the papal encyclical, they're chosen wisely for specific things, right? Yeah. So rerum novarum. It's like new things yeah. is what it's about or what have you. Whereas this one's like, you think well, it's just dismissed. You're, you're dismissed. Yeah, like, what does that have to do with the Eucharist? We could do a whole missiology or some sort of, you know, Balthazarian reflection on our missio and the divine processions of the Trinity and how the mass participates in that. But we we're won't not going to do, do that. that. We no. won't do that. Mm-hmm. We'll do something else. We're going to, yeah, we're just yeah. going to, we're going to talk about what the mass is for. So we've talked about like what it, why it is, what it is, or at least where the terminology, the nomenclature comes from. But how about, what is the mass for? Uh, why does it exist? I mean, hopefully we have reasons for doing what we do. Um, or participating in what we participate, but why do we why do we even have the mass? Yeah, there's there's something natural about it. You might say it seems weird, and especially now, I suspect everyone during this time is thinking, "I something feels off, um, not going to mass." There's something feels unnatural about that in a way, even though it's a supernatural act. But at the same time, Saint Thomas is helpful in thinking about the naturalness of it because. Mass or going to Mass is an act of worship, an act of worship. And St. Thomas talks about worship as a, a virtue in a particular way. He talks about it under the aspect of justice, that when we go to Mass, we're offering worship to God, and worshiping is something that we owe to God in justice. And you might think, well, why do we owe God any, why do we owe God worship and justice? Justice is like crime and, and sins and forgiveness, but that's not exactly what we're talking about, though that's an aspect of your worship is the forgiveness aspect of sins. But just of itself, even if we didn't sin, we still would owe worship to God. Right, because simply because God is God. And the, the, the sacrifice and the worship in Mass is we have to think less as a sort of something, we approach the Mass mm. less as something that as we get something from it and more of what we render in participating in the Mass. Because the first, the first thing that we do by, by going to Mass is we worship. Mm-hmm. We worship God. And, and that worship is, is his due simply as, his, as creator, as God. And this is why it falls under the virtue, why religion and worship fall for Thomas under the, the virtue of justice. It's, mm-hmm. God deserves to be worshipped simply because he is God, simply mm-hmm. because he is good and because he is created. Um, we certainly receive in the Mass, mm-hmm. obviously, sanctifying grace and the Eucharist and, and these sorts of things, forgiveness of venial sins. And, you know, we receive, of course, the unity that is the effect of the Eucharist but the first, the primary kind of approach ought not to be, I'm going to Mass to feel better or because I have to or because, you know, there's some sort of like therapeutic whatever. 
But because yeah. it's an act of worship. Yeah, you might think of, you're probably going to hate this analogy, but I like analogies. Um, so like a person who's a, a mover, like moves boxes around or something. Now, he, yes, why does he do this? And it's because he's, got a, he's doing something for someone else. Like he's doing an external action. But you might be saying, well, he's getting kind of buff too. You know, like he's actually getting stronger in this way. I don't like that's, that analogy. Because the mask, <laughs> we do get something out of it, but that's not the reason. He's not lifting boxes because he's Gosh. getting stronger. He's lifting boxes because it's his job. He needs to do that to Okay. So this is, yeah, this is completely tangential, but it needs to be inserted here. Is that Father Bonaventure uses these analogies when I'm around all the time, and they're terrible. These are fine analogies. Time. Think about it. Makes You'll, total sense. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. okay. So okay. back to the mass. What does it do, though? What's the function of the mass? So we we worship in the mm-hmm. mass, but like, what does that do? What does that change? How does that affect our lives? Well. In in the most basic sense, I think it conforms us to Christ. It draws us back. It reminds us of our status as creatures uh, offering worship. It also uh, forces us to be thankful. So Eucharist, the Eucharistic prayer, of course, is is Eucharisto, which is to give thanks. So it makes us. It helps us and gra- helps us to grow in gratitude. Um, it offers us. It, it allows us to render worship to God. Uh, and then, of course, it allows God to be glorified and to be made present in the world, which is, for the Mass, is very different than... At this point, you could say worship services have this element of worship to it, but, of course, the Mass is different than a Pentecostal worship service or a Presbyterian worship service or something. It's, it actually has the act of sacrifice involved in it. So what the Mass does is continue to represent the saving act of Jesus Christ, so our worshiping of God is not just worship simpliciter, but worship in the sacrifice of Christ. It's Christ who is worshiping and us joined through him by his office, offer of sacrifice. Right. So the so Christ left us the Eucharist and through revelation that's, you know, also in the tradition, the mass has been formed by the way, the, the way in which uh, we worship and we receive the Eucharist. And through through that worship, we enter into that re presentation, the recreation of the sacrifice once offered on Calvary. Um, So we have this whole sort of um, kind of Christian worldview that's not just like earthly, but also, you know, Mm -hmm. unites with heaven, this whole sort of action united or oriented, pointed at worshiping God that that exists in the mass that we have today. So if we're looking at the mass that we have today, then um, we can we can look at it divided into a number of parts. I mean, you can almost divide every couple of lines that the priest says gives has a title of what's mm-hmm. actually happening. But generally, there are two two large parts. The mass is divided in half. We have the liturgy of the word, um, and then we have the liturgy of the Eucharist. So, if you're thinking about when you're at mass, the liturgy of the word, for for the sake of simplicity, basically starts from the beginning of mass. You have the pen- introductory and penitential rites. Then the liturgy of the word goes all the way through the readings and and the homily, mm-hmm. um, and uh, the liturgy of the Eucharist is every basically everything that happens on the altar afterwards. Mm-hmm. So the consecration, the reception of communion, all of this. So we have this division. Um, so let's start with the liturgy of the word. Yeah, and I think the division is nice in the sense that the locations are different. So for the first part of the Mass, the, the Mass usually happens, the liturgy of the word, either the, the chair of the priest or mostly around the ambo or the lectern or something. That's where your attention is focused on the word of God. So, and th- the point of that is to prepare oneself. So you're preparing for the second half of mass, that you're preparing through the penitential rite in admitting your sins and, and preparing yourself to offer 
uh, your sins for healing, venial sins in the Mass, of course. Um, so you're preparing yourself and admitting your, your, your guilt, but you're also preparing by listening. You're listening to the Word uh, who will become Word made flesh on the altar itself. So for the first part, the liturgy of the, of the Word is a preparation, a movement of us drawing us, in a sense, to get ready to see and join in again that great event of Calvary, the great event on the Mass for the Eucharist prayer itself. Right. So as we prepare to talk about this, the second part of Mass, the Liturgy of the Eucharist, why don't we take just a, a quick break and then we'll return with, with the, the second half of the Mass here, the Liturgy of the Eucharist. Stay tuned. We will be right back. This is God's Planning. Get up to date on all our latest episodes at opeast.org slash godsplaining. All right, welcome back to God's Planning. Thanks for staying with us. So, so far we've talked about general kind of what the Mass is, what the Mass is for, this worship of God, this coming to receive the Eucharist, but primarily as worship, but also the graces that we received. And we were just before the break talking about this first half of the Mass, this break, this this division, um, not that the Mass is two things, but the division within the Mass between the Liturgy of the Word and the Liturgy of the Eucharist. So the Liturgy of the Word prepares us in hearing Revelation, the Old Testament, New Testament readings, the Gospel, the homily, to then uh, offer our, unite our sacrifice with that of the sacrifice being offered by the priest on the altar. So we have the liturgy of the Eucharist, the second half of the Mass, uh, moving from the pulpit, essentially, mm -hmm. to, the to the altar. Our orientation changes, even physically, in, right. in the sanctuary. Yeah, and so there's a new character in the sense that, in a way, it's no longer the voice speaking to us, but now us aiming towards and, act and looking at the altar and the actions that are going to be there. Um, and that the Eucharist, liturgy of the Eucharist has, of course, numbers of parts in it, but it strikes me the, the kind of essential pieces or the parts would be the offertory at the start, which is about the gifts, and then the preparing to offer these gifts up to God. Then the Eucharistic prayer itself, and we could call it the action of the consecration, the kind of main event with all the bells and the holding up the elevations of the Eucharist. And that's the climax in a way. And then... Um, in a sense, after the climax is our reception of that. So there's like two, the two big events, the offertory, and then the two big events are the sacrifice and the mass, and then the, the reception of that. And in a sense, those are separate. We can talk about that in a minute. But uh, th those three are, are pieces. Yeah, sure. the offertory is, is a striking part of the mass. I think most of us are used to kind of seeing when this happens, when the gifts are brought up. So mm -hmm. the priest is setting the altar, and then the gifts are brought up, and then we wait a long time for the collection to be done and the, mm -hmm. we're singing like seven verses of a hymn yeah. and then or an awkward silence yeah, and then right. the offertory happens you know during that time i mean you know i'm poking fun but that's how it no, happens it's, sometimes it's, you, but do the, you think like why does this have to you know i don't have to pay attention until everyone stands up when we start doing the source and corda kind of thing, right you know? yeah exactly yeah. so but that that whole time the priest is preparing if we remember that the altar is not like a dinner table but an altar of sacrifice the 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 priest is preparing this altar and receiving the gifts that they may be transformed into the Eucharist. And I think one one part that of the Mass that is um, particularly striking to me is is the um, the prayer, pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be offered, Maybe may be acceptable to God. To God. Um, that pray, brethren, prayer um, is really beautiful and I think is a, is a particularly um, privileged moment in the liturgy between um, the priest and the people, the mediation mm -hmm. that the priest offers at the altar, because he's praying uh, that the people, that you all who are there at the Mass, 
offer your sacrifices with the sacrifice on the altar. So we talk about, and we, we will in a few minutes talk about partic participating in the Mass. We talk about how do I participate? What, what, how do I unite my intentions or these sorts of things uh, to the Mass? Well, it's, it's in this moment that the priest sort of opens this up you know, for this union of intention on, on the altar. Um, not just what he's doing, but also what the, what everyone in the pews is doing in their prayer and in their worship to God. And again, the nice, uh, the, the physicality of it, um, this is a point where if you're celebrating mass, uh, ad orientum, so, uh, toward, towards the altar in the same direction, you would turn at this point to say this to the people and then turn around again to a full 360 so that everyone would be in the same direction. So while in the liturgy of the word, you're speaking face to face in a way, one person instructing the, the other person, here it's as if the priest is saying, now we're all in the same direction here. It's harder to see that in the in, in Novus Ordo um, when you have when you're facing the people, I should say not the Novus Ordo necessarily, but that when you're facing the, the, the people mm -hmm. um, as we generally are, because it seems like we're still doing this kind of face to face instruction or something. But the Rate Frateres, the, the pray brethren the sacrifice and yours is you should get this physical sense of we're now all facing the same direction. The priest is leading the mediation, a sense of the sacrifice that we're all joining. But in. doing it as a church, yeah, as as a people right. moving to God, yeah. Mm -hmm. So that leads us into the Eucharistic prayer or the Roman Canon, as it is sometimes called. The mm -hmm. Eucharistic prayers are the prayers that affect the consecration. Basically, um, this is all done. At the altar, the priest is praying to God, to the Son, to the Holy Spirit at different points. But through the Eucharistic prayer, um, and then the, the essential form of the Mass, the words, this is my body, this is my blood, the bread and wine become the body and blood of Christ. Mm. Um, this is the, the sacrifice or the action that Father Bonaventure mentioned before that represents the sacrifice, sacrifice of Calvary. As Thomas says, in an, it's an unbloodied sacrifice. So you had mm. the one bloodied sacrifice when Christ was crucified. This represents this sacrifice in an unbloodied fashion. Yeah, and this is where maybe uh, for the Protest Protestant brethren um, and myself before this, is people get hung up on this and think like, oh, we're re-sacrificing Christ again. The letter of the Hebrews talks about it. You can't re-sacrifice Christ. And I think, well, to Catholics, you know, traditions of men, um, they're just re doing the sacrifice again and again and again. But the, the, the distinction here is that it is a representation of, it's the same sacrifice, but in a different mode. And I might say, well, that's just logic chopping. But here's why it's the same. The sameness is the fact that the person involved is the same person. So Christ, the priest, is also Christ the victim. He is present through the consecration, the act of the dual act of consecration. This is my body, this is my blood, as the same person. He's the same priest, the same person who was there on Calvary. So it's him, except he's there in a different mode, right? This is called a sacramental mode. It's not a physical in the sense of flesh and blood in our normal way of thinking, but by substance. And we talked in the God's Planning episode before about how the presence, the transubstantiation works. We'll just assume that here. But we'll say that it's the same sacrifice because it's the same priest. It's the same person. And Christ only does this once. So whenever he's present there, he is present as sacrificial victim. And that's the importance, though, that it's not a re-sacrifice or another sacrifice or a different sacrifice. It's actually the same sacrifice. And if you read John Paul II in some of his encyclicals, he talks about um, the fact that you are at this moment at the foot of the cross in Calvary. It is really, the, the Mass is really a kind of, um, in some ways, this may sound weird, but it's kind of like a time warp, like time freezes yeah. in this moment. And because because we're 
um, kind of we're, we might be used to going to mass every Sunday. We might be, you know, father might not celebrate the most beautiful mass or the choir might not be that great. Like there are human elements here that sort of remove the the mystery and awe sometimes. Mm. Um, we just might not be uber disposed in our prayer life. We might be distracted, whatever. None of that changes the reality of what mm. happens on the yeah. altar, uh, which is ought to be a great consolation, uh, not not a sort of distraction, but like this happens because our Lord intends it to happen, because he wills it at the hand of his priest. And we're invited into that sort of moment where time kind of stands still. We're invited to participate, to unite ourselves by grace to to our Lord's sacrifice for us on the cross. Um, and and that, that should give us pause for a minute to think that, you know, as 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 Christ was sacrificed, now he is again, in that different mode, not re-crucified, but we're invited to participate in that one sacrifice yeah, of present, Christ. Present as sacrificed. Right. And, there, and therefore present as resurrected. So because Christ, of course, in time and outside of time, you've got a divine person here. So we have this trans-temporal aspect to him in a way. So that in this may be helpful in the resurrection, of course, accounts, he still has the, his wounds. Like still right. his wounds. So there's a sense of him still being a part, still having the sacrifice aspect. There's a lot you could say about this, but it's important to, to realize that it is the same act. Um, by the same person, the same divine person, through the hands of the priest uh, that is present here. Yeah, and the the last thing perhaps about the Eucharistic prayer that that I'll say mm-hmm. is that you know if if you have not thought about what is being said or paid attention to the words that the priest is saying very intentionally during the Eucharistic prayer when he's it's easy to get distracted like yeah mm-hmm. these yeah I would encourage you um, whether you're you know long. now that you're. If, if it's simply live stream mass or when you're back in a church being able to attend mass in person, but to pay, to really tune into the words mm. that the priest is praying, but also tune into to, to who the priest is praying um, to at a point, because sometimes he's praying to the Father. Sometimes, you know, he, he implores the Holy Spirit's intercession, but um, he prays on behalf of the church, for the Pope, for the dead. You know, pay attention to what we're praying for as Catholics mm. at the mass. Yeah. Um, so we have the offertory, we have the Eucharistic prayer, as we all know, this is followed by the reception of of Holy Communion. That's right. Um, so within that, that's within the liturgy of the Eucharist in that half of the Mass, but also its own its own rite that's started by um, by the Our Father. So the Our mm-hmm. Father starts the Communion rite during yep. Mass. When we all stand from kneeling, we all begin um, by praying the Our Father. Um, there's the fractioning of the host, the preparing sort of 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 the sacrament to be received. The um, the Agnus Dei, the Lamb mm-hmm. of God that we sing three times, and then there's the, the, the reception. Final, yeah, the, the final the, elevation. Right, the final yep, elevation, Lord. Reception. I'm not worthy that you should enter under my roof. And then we have the reception of communion. Um, there, all of this is sort of the culmination, at mm-hmm. least of, of this act of worship, that we receive Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, so as you were you were mentioning that that the, the resurrection is also part of it. It's not mm-hmm. simply just the cross. Yes, I mean, it's also right. the resurrection. Um, so we don't want to say that it's that it's simply sacrifice and we kind of, you know, death and we leave mm-hmm. there. Yeah, like the end of Mark's gospel without the added right. piece to it. Yeah. But it's also important to remember that your act of worship and sacrifice uh, means that it's not like you need to receive something. I think we to, to actually have worshipped. The, the Catholic Church, uh, the obligation for attending Mass is to attend Mass, to right. offer sacrifice and do worship. The reception, in a way, is is the is a bonus, you could say. And that's an important aspect of that because it, Christ dwells in you uh, in, in the sacramental way, in reception. And it's so important to be prepared for reception because of this. But uh, 
I think it's easy today to think that, you know, when you go to a party, you need to have a party favor, and you go to the church, you need to have a party favor, so you get the sacrament. But it's it's not that you have fulfilled your obligation by attending the sacrifice of the Mass and joining with the priest in this way, and it's an extra gift to be able to receive this. And it's something that, I mean, was not frequent, even daily communion, reception of communion, was only really popular in, in the 20th century, Pope uh, John Pope uh, Pius X really started this daily communion mm. thing that people... And so what a blessing that we have this. But for most of Christian history, you wouldn't have received the sacrament all that often. So we really did not take that for granted. Yeah, and I think that's that's an important point, that that the the Mass is 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 what we're called to uh, participate in every Sunday. I mean, we may be able to receive the Eucharist every Sunday, but perhaps maybe not. And I think that's a good question or a good... Um, yeah, it kind of asks, begs the question, well, what does our participation mm-hmm. then, you know, maybe we'll say a few words about that. What does mm-hmm. our participation in the Mass look like? And we also, we often talk about like active participation mm-hmm. and and how it is that we unite. You know, we were talking about that uniting our intentions and our sacrifice. How do we, what is, what does good participation in the Mass look like? I think it's easy to think that at, there's active participants and passive participants, and the active participants are like the Eucharistic ministers, the lectors, the people at the altar, whatever, the, the choir, the organist, and then there's the rest of us just passively, and it's oh, we have a week off if we're not on the schedule to read or do something like that. But of course, ideally there's no um, passive participants in pure passive sense, that we're all, you're there to worship. We have to commit an act, which is that internal devotion and offering to God, so that you can be attentive. And in fact, it's it's sometimes easier to be an active participant in the Mass when you're not an active, quote-unquote, participant in the Mass. If you're reading, doing the readings, or if you're doing playing some music, you might not be paying attention. You're paying attention to parts of the Mass, but not your internal act of worship and sacrifice in that way. Yeah, we don't want to confuse participation mm-hmm. or proper worship or whatever kind of title that we want to give to it as as a sort of functionary mm-hmm. or function type thing if if i have a function then somehow there's a higher level of participation yeah. or if i don't that i'm less because in the end what what we're asked to do is as as we've said and as father bonaventure was just saying is that our participation is our uniting our our offering our intentions our sacrifice to that of the priest on the altar so yeah. the act of participation is, is 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 a spiritual really participation um yes. we're there with our body you know we're both hand, we're body and soul. So what we do with our bodies during mass matters. You know, this is why we kneel, sit, stand, all of this. Um, but it, but it's that union and worship that we really want to focus on in participation. And this is why we we say we have to prepare for mass. You know, this mm-hmm. is why when we come to church, uh, we come into the church. We should take a few minutes before to. to to pray, to sit in silence, you know, not it's not a social function. It's no. a preparing it's to like, worship. I mean, if, if you're going to lift boxes and move oh around gosh. a bit, you need to stretch <laughs> out. I mean, you don't want to like, you know, you have to be ready. You have to be prepared and sort of things. So you might want to have eaten the right thing. So in mass, of course, you do. You, it's the opposite there. But you, yeah, to prepare to do this kind of heavy lifting, this massification, you could say. Massification. Massification. Oh to mass is a verb. Yeah. Well, like now that. it is. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, we've, we've kind of perhaps bitten off more than we can chew to try to talk about the mass in like a, a 26, 27 minute kind of podcast episode. There are, you know, you can spend your whole life talking about one part of the mass or studying it or whatever. So of course we could say a ton more about this or that in the mass. But at this point, this is, these are, you know, this, these are the thoughts that we'd like to, to kind of leave you with. And we, like we said at the beginning of, of the episode, um, we recognize that many of us, many of you at this point, are unable to attend mass in person um 
don't, I would, you know, I would encourage you to continue to make Sunday, um, to honor the Sabbath on Sunday, even if that's less than ideal. And Godsplaining will be doing uh, Sunday lectionaries, so you can tune in for bonus editions of Godsplaining to cover some of the readings and have that be a part of the liturgy of the, of the Word or something for you, uh, but then to also unite with the prayers and offer that spiritual worship that is the fundamental act of Mass. Right, and know that uh, those of us here on Godsplaining, the Dominicans, we're all praying for you. Um, we're offering Mass for you all too, so please pray for us. Um, Please share the podcast with those you think might like it or those that you think need to hear it. And uh, until next time, we will see you then. God bless. Thanks for listening to God's Planet, a work of the Dominican Friars of the province of St. Joseph. Visit us at opeast.org.